What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The voice of Johnson County, JoCo Community Radio. Got me on, Jesse. We're there. Are we here? We're there. That's not even a recording. Listen, if you're listening, (laughs) this is live. This is live right here. And if you're listening to the love song by Tesla, it must be Tuesday at seven to eight o'clock on Joko Radio. This is the one show with Jason and friends, with Jesse at the controls. Jason and we've got Jason, Miranda Pacheco, and Ed Pacheco with us. Hey, welcome, welcome. Yeah, welcome. Welcome to the show. So uh, if you're just tuning in, the, the simple thing that we do here is we read the Bible and we talk about it. However, uh, I have uh, called this an interruption study because we're <clears throat> basically moving into the middle part of Acts, halfway through the book. We're at chapter 14 and 15, but there was a verse in 15 that means the world to me, and it's uh, Luke 15, verses 16 and 17, and I was studying, preparing for a Bible study Um, And basically, God spoke to me and said, Jason, I need you to talk about the temple. Now, here's where that came up. That came up because another guy that studies with us, David Schultz, he uh, knows a lot about the temple. And he's done a lot of uh, expository studying, symbolism, things like that pertaining to the temple. And he felt led to talk about the temple. And God just said, why are you moving on? if the foundation is not ready to move on and build on top of. And I said, okay. So before we get going this evening, I want to do what we do every time, and I'm going to open us up in prayer. And I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit in so that our opinion can be removed. And we're just going to talk about this temple openly, discuss it. I've got some notes. You guys feel free to chime in whenever you want with whatever you want to say or or whatever. Um, But we're going to we hopefully we'll have time to get through this because we're doing Acts chapter 14 in class this next week. But uh, allow me, if you don't mind, I'm going to open us up in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you in advance for what you're going to do this evening. Father, if there is anybody on the other side of this mic that needs to know the truth of Jesus Christ, please, Holy Spirit, guide my words, um, guide their heart, guide my heart, uh, get my opinion out of this room, Father. And let your word do uh, what it always does and does not return void. I thank you so much for Jesus Christ. I thank you for preserving God's word. It is no um, no happenstance. It's not luck that the people in this room are in this room with us right now. And uh, we're just trying to be closer uh, in relationship with you, Lord. Also in relationship with each other. So that when people see us, they see more of Jesus than they see of us. I thank you, and I pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. 
Okay, so here we go. Um, the temple. But I'm not starting where you ordinarily would think I would start with the temple. I'm not going back to Solomon's temple. I'm not going back and saying, hey, let's, uh, let's study, um, you know, Herod's temple. Uh, not even the tent of David. That's not where I'm starting. Where I'm starting is Genesis 1, 26. I told you we were going to go on back. It's Genesis 1, 26. So let me get to that. Genesis 1, 26. Okay. I'm going to read this. Genesis 1.26 said, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock of over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Okay, so in, in looking at Genesis 1.26, I think it takes... Everything, every question, like, well, did God intend us to, to rule over this or rule over that? Or are we really supposed to be able to subdue the earth? I mean, last time I tried to subdue a tiger or a lion, I don't think I, well, I've never have, by the way, but I don't think I'd be very successful at that, you know? But what's happened is things have moved further and further away from the will of God. We're told we have dominion over everything, fish of the sea, seeds of the earth, birds of the air, have dominion over it and subdue it. Matter of fact, um, and you'll notice when you study with me, I don't pull any punches. It also said he made them male and female, and it said be fruitful and multiply. Our culture today is moving in a manner that it can't even obey that. God said do this. I don't know what's going on over there, but... Hopefully it's a bunch of people calling in. <laughs> so we can't even fulfill the, number one, we're not subduing the earth. We're just not, okay? And number two, not every one of us now are in a mindset to be fruitful and multiply. Now, I understand that there are those situations where you can't and you're trying. I get it, okay? That's not what I'm referring to. What I'm referring to is people are making decisions to not be able to multiply. And we're making decisions for little ones to not be able to multiply. So one of the things that I put in, in my notes is that things are at their most beautiful when they're obedient to God. Even people, when we're obedient to God, you, you find a very loving, gentle, humble, caring, giving, patient, well, you know, fruits of the Spirit. And, you know, you got some people who are like, I go to church, boy, I don't like that guy or whatever. Well, you know, come on, we're all working on something. I'm not trying to be mean towards that. But what I am trying to say is if you go to Colorado and you look at the trees or uh, Miranda, you were just in Hawaii, you look at that and you're like, those mountains and volcanoes and sea life do exactly what God says to do. And it's beautiful. Oh my God. I've never been, but I can't imagine. The color of the plants is supposed to be an, an extraordinary. They're doing exactly what God says. So as we do what God tells us to do, 
we become beautiful, literally. And the world looks at us and says, oh, something's different about that guy. We all know some of these guys are like, man, that, seriously, this guy's got something. I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. All right. I also so, read, go ahead. Jason, going back to verse 26, mine says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Mm-hmm. Why does he use our there? That's a very good question. I'm glad that you brought that up. There's a couple of different philosophies there. One or the other can be true, and maybe both of them can be true. One, we have the Trinity. Christ was there all along. The Holy Spirit was there all along. So we have the Trinity. So he could say our in representation of the Trinity before he's even started talking about the Trinity. Mm-hmm. The other, which is a more commonly uh, uh, accepted um, uh, theory, is that he is a king in his court. And he speaks for his kingdom. And he's speaking, saying our, because he hasn't created them yet. Let us make man in our image, because he's a king in his court. So he's speaking to his court like that. So um, I wasn't there. (laughs) But those are two theories that come up with the our as far as I'm concerned uh, that I know of. Um, But that's that's a great question, though. And I've already read the note on Genesis 128. We're told not to ask to be fruitful and multiply. That's what our culture does today. People are just moving more and more away from... um, you know, the, the whole multi- multiplying through sexual orientation, that just people are moving away from that. And you're not even fulfilling what God says. Well, there's a culture there that doesn't even care what God says. So we have to pay attention that, that that's the world we live in. We are in enemy to occupy territory. Okay, now let's go to Genesis 3. How is he doing the temple with all this Genesis stuff here? Well, I don't know. I hope it makes sense to y'all. <laughs> okay. So Genesis 3, specifically specifically Genesis 3.15. Uh, chapter 3, verse 15. So God's plan was for us to have dominion and domain over everything. Now here's God's war. Okay. I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your offspring and her offspring, and he sh- he shall bruise your head. Notice, notice in three fifteen, God already says he shall bruise your head, not it shall bruise your head. He shall no the verse of it. Okay, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. Some uh, Bibles say your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head. And you shall bruise his heel. Okay. What he's doing there is he's talking to the serpent. Not to a snake, but he's talking to the snake and to the spirit of the snake, which is Satan, that tricked Eve. And said, because you've done this, because up up, up in, ahead of that 1 through 14, it talks about the fall and eating the apple. Um, but God goes to that serpent and says, okay. There is going to be enmity between your offspring and her offspring. Now, that doesn't come out of Second Thurman. I'm not making that up. That's Genesis 3.15. We need to pay attention to Genesis 3.15. And we'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. So, 
When he goes further into Genesis, you'll find out that, that he's going to send a Messiah from a pure bloodline. And when Noah was chosen, Noah was chosen because he was pure in his genealogy, not because he was whole. Eight people pure in the genealogy. Eight. That's it. You talk about mankind coming down to a remnant, you know. Now, there are offspring of Satan in this world now. I'm not trying to create some Lord of the Rings movie or whatever. He says it. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. Because her offspring was all the way to Jesus. Literally says, he shall bruise your head. Jesus came from pure genealogy, not diluted by Nephilim, not diluted by any of that. It's a pure bloodline, royal bloodline. And so... If you go even further a little bit into the parables of Christ, it talks about the, the parable of the weeds. And it's where Jesus said there was a landowner and had servants. The servants noticed that there were tares sown in the wheat. And he says, hey, do you want us to go out there and basically de-weed your garden? And the landowner says, no, because when you pull that up, it's going to disrupt the roots of the wheat and kill the wheat. Look at that and what it might mean for our today's time. Very interesting because there are things planted and have grown by the enemy. Matter of fact, Jesus explains that parable and says, my enemy was Satan. And the harvest floor will be at the day of a um, um, rapture. That's when, that's when the harvesting will be. We'll separate the wheat from the tares during that time. So 315 is the war. Now, it appears it's all the paradise. All the paradise. The vacation is over. The garden, of we, it's all jacked up now. The enemy's taking hold. Well, remember the tree of life mentioned in the garden. Don't ever forget the name of that tree. It's the tree of life. It is not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was the other name of the tree. That was the other one. What does our society seek right now more than anything? There's two things that, in that garden. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. There's a tree of life, and then there's a knowledge of good and evil. Now, we could say our society seeks money. Our society seeks fame. Our society seeks recognition. That all is from the tree of the knowledge of of good and evil. Our society seeks to tell us what's good and what's evil. This is good, this is evil, we know, listen to us. 
we can choose which tree we're going to eat from on a daily basis. Which tree are we choosing to eat from? Do I want to eat from the tree of life? Or do I want to put my mind in all this knowledge of good and evil and be sucked into the world, conformed to the world? Romans 12, 1 and 2. Okay, so remember the names of the trees. Now let's talk more about the temple. Okay, the people, um, after they, uh, there was a famine, they were brought into the uh, Egyptian um, uh, kingdom. They were taken care of. They multiplied greatly in that kingdom. And when they did, they became slaves uh, because, hey, we have domain over you. This is our kingdom. Uh, Y'all are going to be the ones that build our walls, build our military stuff. The, the Egyptian people became slaves. And God told uh, Moses, he said, hey, go set my people free. And th there's a long story there, and I don't have time to tell that whole story. I don't have the time to tell that. But this entire time from Genesis, and this is something I want to look into a little bit deeper, from Genesis in the garden, the Bible tells us that God walked with Adam. He dwelt in the garden and walked with Adam. The temple was the very first garden. The temple was where God was with Adam, walked with Adam. He dwelt among Adam. That's where God dwelt. Well, what did we do after the fall? We go and get ourselves in bondage. We live with the uh, Egyptians. And then God says, set my people free. And so the people get set free because of all the plagues that hit Pharaoh. And he finally said, get them out of here. They're, you know, give them whatever they want. Get them out of here. So as they go into the wilderness, first thing they ask for is, well, we want a king because we don't have anybody. Every other kingdom has a, has a king. And God's like, no, you don't want a king. And he said, well, we want, we want to have our own rules. We don't have any rules. We just have to listen to this guy, Moses, and, and Aaron, his brother-in-law, that want to be our boss all the time. You know, we, we don't like that. And so God pulls Moses up to Mount Sinai. And when he's up on Mount Sinai, he's there for 40 days. I'm getting all, I'm taking all this getting here. He's up on Mount Sinai for 40 days after all the people increased to about a million people. They're out in the wilderness. They want, they want laws. They want to become a nation governed by man. When God was their ruler, God was their king. Guide them uh, with a cloud during the day and fire by night. God guide them, led them where they wanted to go. So Moses is like, man, this is stiff necked people. I don't know what to do. And God's like, psst. Come up here, man. I want to talk to you about something. So that, that isn't in Scripture. I just made that up. <laughs> but he goes up on Mount Sinai. He's there for 40 days. So if you think he's older and the only leader that they had has disappeared for 40 days, they're like, dude, probably fell hit his head on a rock. He may not ever come down. Or a mountain lion got him or his foot's broke. He's up there get eaten by like by birds who knows he's he's gone for 40 days what's going on you know and so in that 40 days the bible tells us that 38 days with god god spent time telling him how to build a temple how what are the measurements what is it going to consist of what do you make where do you put it 38 days and then the like the last two days, he's like, yeah, and here's some rules to follow. 
well, the temple must be way more important than the rules to follow. Because look at the amount of time. He spent seven days creating the planet. 38 days talking about the temple. So these time frames, we need to look and go, hey man, there must be some importance to this temple. So when Moses came down, the first thing he saw was this golden calf that they made. And you talk about holy cow, I actually think that's where the expression really came from, you know, holy cow. It's kind of an oxymoron, you know, because there's not any holy cows. But anyway, he's uh, literally, uh, this isn't like the movie, The Ten Commandments. He did. He broke the Ten Commandments. God wrote them again. He broke the Ten Commandments because people were rebelling. And I'm like, weren't you the same people that just crossed the Red Sea? Weren't you the same people who were told the Passover laws and how your firstborn would not be harmed? Weren't you the same people that were not harmed by the locust? Weren't you the same people that, that fled the destruction of the Egyptian army? And now somebody's gone for 40 days and you're automatically making a golden calf? Well, I have found in my walk that I am that person. If I turn and do nothing with my Lord, no time to spend, don't, don't commit any time back to God. If I were to do that for 40 days, I, don't, I wouldn't make a golden calf. I'm not saying that. But I'd be a different person in the wrong direction. I need God on a daily basis, moment by moment. Not rules to follow, but a relationship to have to help me, to guide me. I was talking to my wife the other night, and we were talking about, um, we were watching a, a documentary. And some of the documentaries today are like really disturbing. You're like, oh my gosh, you kidding me? And uh, I just looked at my wife and I said, you know what? I'm glad my hope is not in this world. Because it's not. This world can do whatever it wants to do. My hope is in Christ Jesus. And that's why he spent so much time telling Moses about the temple and not the rules. And uh, I told you all in class what happened to those rules. Yeah, the Ten Commandments, uh, they were eventually put in the Ark of the Covenant because the Ark of the Covenant was a device that was made and was told, listen, this is going to go in the temple. God told him how to make the Ark. And the Ark is literally a representation of the mercy seat, which we'll get there in a little bit. But he made the Ark of the Covenant, and those Ten Commandments went in there. In addition to that, it was Aaron's budding staff, and this is a staff that uh, we talked about a little bit, and I'll reference back to it now, is that uh, they said, why does your brother-in-law get to be uh, the high priest, Aaron? Why, I mean, what's your brother-in-law? What is this? like? Uh, uh, what is it called when you hire your family? Um, nepotism. 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 This is some nepotism, church. HR guy. It's some nepotism. Is a Scrabble guy? <laughs> what is this nepotism stuff you're doing here? This is a nepotism, church. No, it's what God wanted. And they said, well, wait a minute. We want to, we could, we could be the high priest too. And they, you know what a staff is? A staff is a piece of tree that has been whittled down to a toothpick as far as the tree is concerned. And it's dead. You can't stick a staff in the ground and have anything come out of it. But God said, put those up there and I'll show you who be the priest. And Moses, I mean, Aaron's staff budded and blossomed, produced fruit. And so God just showing, that's the one that I want. So it's in there. 
And, uh, and matter of fact, God said this will go in there. And there is a bowl with miraculously kept manna. I don't know what manna tastes like. It's, uh, you know, I think it's like angel food cake. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but it's, 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 the Bible tells us it's angel food. There was a bowl that kept manna in there. And what's so um, uh, big about manna is that they were supposed to only take the manna each morning that they would need for that day and nothing more because it would be available for them every morning. Manna would be. Uh, because he didn't want you to take any for the next day. You know why? Because God wanted you to rely on him for the next day. Now, there were, there were people in different tribes that took, you know, I don't know if I can rely on him, and they ate old manna for the day before, and it made them sick. Mm-hmm. Say, listen, I'm telling you. I'm telling you what to do, you know. So pay attention to me. So a bowl with miraculously kept manna is supposed to be in the Ark of the Covenant as well. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was acacia wood and wood from a mineral point of view if i can call it a mineral is representation of mankind and so acacia wood was a wood that was lightweight and water resistant made it easy to carry the ark that way but it was layered in gold so mankind from a symbolic point of view the the mineral of mankind was layered in the mineral covered in the mineral of royalty. So from a from a symbolic point of view, we had wood with gold covering, mankind covered with royalty. The top of the Ark of the Covenant was solid gold. It was an acacia. And it had two angels on each end, and the wings came over and the Bible says they touched. Others other verses just say that the Bible came over. I'm not the Bible, but the wings came over like that. And so you look at that and you're like, and there were specific ways to carry it, which we'll get into that too. So this is something that uh, Moses was told, this is what, this is what you're going to put in the Holy of Holies. This All this stuff is, is sacred. It's reminders to you who I am. And so when you look at the Ark of Covenant, it seems really, really, really weird. But God dwelt in the Holy of Holies where the Ark was kept. And that Ark of the Covenant was only a shadow. It wasn't the story. It wasn't the punchline. It was only a shadow of what was to come. And people think, oh, the Ark is this or that. Well, that wasn't the end game. The end game was something that we'll talk about when we get back. But it was also solid gold. No no wood in there. So it was... So this whole thing was probably pretty heavy, so acacia wood was probably something that you'd want. I don't know if it's like a balsa wood or whatever. I've never even seen acacia wood or anything, but I know that's the kind of wood that's supposedly in there. So these are some of the things, the menorah, the laver, uh, the bread of presents, uh, things like that were also given uh, the Holy of Holies, how far apart the, the tent stakes were supposed to be, the colors that were going to be in it, the the outside wall that went around the tent of meeting or Moses tabernacle but it was set up in a manner that it would travel with the children of God the Jewish people God's chosen people okay so we've got 30 seconds before we go to break and one of the things I'm going to talk about um, is the game changer 
Okay, I jumped ahead of it. I'm sorry, sometimes I get things out of line. But the game changer of Genesis chapter 15. Should have talked about Genesis chapter 15 earlier. When we come back from the break, I want you to understand this is God's victory. Genesis chapter 15. See you in a minute. Why have thousands of aspiring authors teamed up with Christian Faith Publishing to publish their book? Because Christian Faith Publishing is an author-friendly publisher who understands that your labor is more than just a book. We provide authors freedom and flexibility throughout the publishing process, professional book editing, award-winning design, and some of the highest royalty structures in the publishing industry. And as always, you will retain 100% of the rights to your book. I was looking to find a company that I could trust, one that assisted in the editing process completely. The most important qualities that I was looking for was a publisher who is honest and upfront no hidden costs or fees and owning the rights to my own work christian faith publishing will publish market and sell your books in all major bookstores online booksellers as well as specialty christian bookstores call for your free author submission kit 800-978-4812-800-978-4812-800-978-4812 that's 800-978-4812 out of deck carpet giving you the blues hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Tired of your old dingy and broken tile? Let my friends at the Floor Store in Cleburne, Texas give your home the makeover it deserves. This is old Taco Joe coming to you for the Floor Store. Whether it's carpet, tile, wood flooring, or real wood laminate, the Floor Store can cover all of your flooring needs. Located at 405 West Henderson Street in Cleveland, Texas, owner Brent Harris can help. Shower tile, tub surrounds, even backsplashes. Give them a call today at 817-641-9444. The Floor Store, they got you covered. Out of date carpet giving you the blues? Tired of your old dingy and broken tile? Let my friends at the Floor Store in Cleveland, Texas give your home the makeover it deserves. This is old Taco Joe coming to you for the Floor Store. Whether it's carpet, tile, wood flooring, or real wood laminate, the Floor Store can cover all of your flooring needs. Located at 405 West Henderson Street in Cleveland, Texas, owner Brent Harris can help. Shower tile, tub surrounds, even backsplashes. Give them a call today at 817-641-9444. The Floor Store, they've got you covered. Serving Johnson County, Texas, Joko Community Radio. Just for two. 
And welcome back. Joko Community Radio is proud to be the voice of Johnson County, Texas, and is live 24-7 on the TuneIn Radio Network. TuneInJoko.com is a place to find all the ways to listen and watch, and the station app is also available for free on Android and Apple devices. Simply search your store. Check out our lineup and more at JokoCommunityRadio.com. This episode more brought to you by Next Level Claims, making your insurance work for you. Reach out to your Texas sales rep at 844-TEXHELL. That's 844-839-4245. They rewrote it. They rewrote it. Now it doesn't have that funny line in there. What? Text? Yeah. It says, it, it says something like, something like, don't call or text. Or no, that's, te- that, 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 that's, that's what Joe and I... Well, anyway... Get I, I was, funny about uh, call her. <laughs> text te- hell, text just hell. call her. <laughs> yeah, text hell, just call her. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, so I kind of oh, got some boy. stuff out of out of place uh, when we were starting this thing because the very beginning is God's beauty, Genesis one twenty eight, and Genesis three the fall. Seems like paradise is over, but Genesis chapter fifteen is a game changer. It is the game changer. It is. It is known as the Abrahamic Covenant. And I'm going to read Genesis chapter 15 because it is too important for me to just paraphrase. And I'll read it kind of quick because I got to do some splaining. Splaining, Lucy. (laughs) All right. So Genesis chapter 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Fear not, Abraham. I am your shield, your reward will be very great. But Abraham said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will not be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he... Let me get around. I lost my place. Hold on a second. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward the heaven and number the stars. If you're able to number them, then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and it counted to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans. By the way, I want to stop there a second. Did you all know that Abraham's family was an idol-making family? That's what they did. Abraham, they were very wealthy, and they made idols and things that people worshipped. And he said, come, I'll show you a land you don't know. And Abraham ends up being a father of me. That's the power of God. Mm-hmm. But how did the people already know to make idols? Think about that. We're all the way back to Abraham. So I can tell you the Nephilim. Anyway, okay. <laughs> and he said to him, I'm the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess but he said, oh Lord, Lord, oh, Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these things and cut them in half and laid them half and half over against each other. But he did not cut the birds in half in which the birds' prey came down on the carcasses. Abraham drove them away. Okay, so I want to say this. If God said to me right now, in, in my time right now, Jason, go get me, you know, three heifers, a year old, I'd be like, 
okay, do I need to go to Tractor Supply? Do I go to the Johnson <laughs> County Auction? Where do I go? But you have to understand, this is a culture where they had these things, and they wanted to know how old things were, and they because that that's that was their. I'm an electrician. Now I'm sure God had electricity somewhere in the world back then. I just don't know where, but you know. But Abraham knew exactly what to do. He didn't go, huh? Because he knew this was something common for them. As the sun was going down, deep sleep fell on Abraham, and behold, a dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram. Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs. Hmm, could be this Egypt. And servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. Same time frame as Egypt. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to the fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun has gone down, it was, it was dark. Behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between the pieces. So, let me, let me finish. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land from the river of the Egypt to the great river of the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites. Okay, here goes the ites. The land of the Kenites and the Kazanites and uh, I'm trying to see all this. The Kadamites and the Hittites and the Pezites and the, and the Raphaim and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Gergeshites and the Jebusites and a bunch of ites. But what he did is he made a covenant with Abraham about his descendants will be more than the stars of the sky. And he caused the sleep to go down on Abraham. And I'm not going to go too far into this covenant, but this is the Abrahamic covenant, Genesis chapter 15, that God made with him that your people, he was a Jew, your people that, that I'm making a covenant with, you're not going to have any part of this covenant. I'm going to do it myself. I'll make the covenant myself. I'm going to put a sleep on you because if you have a part in it, you could also have part of breaking it. But I'm going to make the covenant with myself. I'm going to be the only one that does this and Abraham got everything together. God put a sleep on him. And then God made that covenant with him. That covenant stands to this day. How do I know that? Jason, how do you know that the covenant stands this day? Because God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He'll never leave us, never forsake us. He does not break his covenants with us. He doesn't do that. That's not the God we serve. Even though we live in a world where people are breaking their promises all the time. Honey, I'll be home at uh, 730. Well... 8.30, I come walking in the door. Where have you been? Well, traffic was just bad, and it might have really been. But I wasn't home at 7.30, like I said. By the way, I didn't even call. So I get in that all the time, by the way. I, that's why I bring that up as an example, because I know that. I understand. But, yeah, but those are but those are like, we when we say things, we want to be able to uphold them, you know. When God says something, notice he doesn't go, hey, Ed, um, I promise that. He doesn't do that. When he speaks, it's a promise. When he says something, it's a promise. And he made a covenant. He didn't say it. He made a covenant with Abraham. So the Jewish people are going to be blessed. They're going to have a land. By the way, that's where the new uh, heaven on earth will be, in that land. But he makes that covenant with them, and it's for the Jewish people. I'm not Jewish. 
well, I am now, but I wasn't Jewish. I was born a Gentile. I was born in Haltom City, Texas. Uh, went to Haltom High School. I know who my dad is. It's Jimmy Earl Thurman. Uh, but my dad now is Yahweh. It is Jesus. He is my Elohim, my Adonai, my Jehovah Jireh, the names of God, creator, owner, provider. So this Genesis chapter 15 is like a game changer for us because in the beginning we had the garden and we walked with God. Then we had the fall and it was jacked up. Hadn't even talked about Noah and everything getting destroyed in the world, but the lineage and genealogy with Noah was there. And then Abraham had the covenant. And then Moses brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. Jason still isn't a Jew at this point. God knew. God's basically saying, hold my Bible and watch this. But he knew. What's the temple got to do with all this? It was a big deal to God because it spent 38 days compared to two. So it was a big deal to God. So now what's happened is God was very specific when leadership was put into place and how to worship and what his dwelling place would look like. He was very specific about that. So if I had a, a way to show you a visual aid, I'm going to start with the tent of meeting. Um, maybe one of these days we'll get there. Uh, but we're not there yet. So the tent of meeting uh, was what Abraham was given, and it had an outer court. It had a, uh, uh, a brazen laver, which is to, uh, where you would wash and become uh, ceremonial clean. It had an altar where they would sacrifice cattle. It, you could walk inside the tent, but notice it was a tent because it could move. The children of Israel would move. It would be with the people all the time so it could move with them. They could uproot it. They could put it back again. They knew how to carry these things and where they sit because it's very specific on where these things sit as the temple. The temple's very specific. So the temple, if you were to put it up against, uh, and this is the, the tabernacle of Moses or the uh, tent of meeting, whatever you want to call it, either one, that was among the Jewish people, it was about the size of a football field across, but only about as wide as the back of the end zone to the 10-yard line. So that's about how long it was. So probably 20 to 30 yards, probably 20 yards wide, 50 yards long. That's, that's how big the original tent. Specifically given by God, this is the length that I want this to be. Okay? And so they, they put the temple in place. And then what happens to the children of Israel? They become disobedient. They want to do their own thing. They don't want to uh, listen to Aaron. They want to uh, just not follow God. It's real weird how we see miraculous signs that you think to yourself, now this, this, this is convicting for me. They had some signs that you think to yourself, if I saw that, I would never turn from God. Like, for example, you know, you tell all these kids stories and the children of, of Israel wandering in the desert. Well, did you know that there was an entire tribe or group of people, it wasn't the entire tribe, but it was about 15,000 people that the ground opened up and swallowed them up and closed back. Uh, what's the next kid story you want to hear about? You know, it's like you think of all these as kid stories, but you're like, if you saw that, 
after walking across the Red Sea, after all of Egypt's firstborn dying, you're thinking, I would never. But here's where I'm convicted. I see things all the time that I want to see depending on what I'm tuned into on a daily basis. So as a, as a believer that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, am I spending my days eating from the tree of knowledge, good and evil? Or am I spending my days going, listen, I, I'm not going to get caught up in that. I want to eat from the tree of life. And so then you eat from the tree of life and you feel his goodness, his presence, and, and you know it because when you don't feel it, you know it. But you feel his goodness and his presence and you think, why would I ever turn from that? And then lo and behold, something of the world catches my eye, squirrel, and I've turned from it and I forget all the blessings that he's given to me. So as I talk about these, these people that got overcome by their enemies, the ark got taken away from them, they're like, good, gold, we'll take it, it's gold, we want it. You know, so they, they carried that off and they didn't even have the ark in their presence anymore. Now, Saul was their king, their very first king. His son, um, David, okay, so David was the very next one, okay? And as David became king, he didn't even have the ark. Where was the ark? It was uh, uh, taken from them by their enemies. Their enemies didn't know how to deal with it, so they were dying. And I have to, me and David both are like, what's the guy's name? We have to Google it. Joe usually brings his computer and Googles this kind of stuff for us. But there's a guy who ended up with the ark. They were like, here, you take this thing. We don't want it. And he, did, he just had it in his presence. Didn't touch it or do anything with it. He just had it. Mm -hmm. And was getting blessed nine ways to Sunday. And David's like, hey, man, um, isn't that ours? Yeah, let me have that back. Yeah, isn't that ours? And, and, and I need to go get that thing. And so here's my little picture, you know, that they didn't even know how to carry it. They go and, and get this thing, and they got it on, and they're carrying it with oxes, and the ox stumble because the ox aren't supposed to carry it. It's supposed to be carried by priests with the rods through the, the uh, loops on the uh, Ark of the Covenant and on the priest's shoulders. And so the oxen are stumbling, and the ark's about to fall off. Dude touches it, dies. There he is right there. See, it's biblical. He, he dies. And David's like, I might need to do a little research on this thing because... If it's so awesome, now I want you to put yourself, let's pull out of 2023. Let's pull out of here a second and put yourself in his shoes, David's. He's like, I need to do research on this thing that gives blessing. Because when it's handled wrong, it gives death. Look at the Pharisees. I need to do research on the things that give blessings. Because when it's handled wrong, it gives death. There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, the law leads to death. They, caught, they were caught up in knowing the law, understanding the law, what word comes next. They can literally tell you, some of the rabbis can tell you in the book of the Pentateuch, what the middle word in those thousands of words, what the middle word. And how many words were to you get for you to get there? They were a uh, oral culture. Very few of them could read, but they would learn things through songs and chants, and they would memorize them. So you go years and years and years and years and years of memorization, and now what is your glory? 
your memory. They could tell you what the law said, but when somebody murdered somebody, they had no idea what was going on in the heart. And Jesus says, listen, I'm going to give you something. When it's handled right, it gives you blessing. But when you handle it incorrectly, it leads to death. And so this art, David's like, my next picture. David's like, all right. Golly, that paper made a big noise. All right. So finally figured out how to do this. He was so careful. The Bible tells us that they would take six steps and sacrifice an ox. He's like, I'm not messing this up. I'm going to get this back to us. I don't want anybody else dying. The priest carried it on their shoulders, the acacia wood. There's David with his heart. That's the actual picture of him, by the way. And there the people, uh, the other priests were in front giving praise and glory as they carried it into uh, Jerusalem. So David, when he finally got it in Jerusalem, he didn't know what to do with it. He just got it in there. And here's my next little picture. And you guys on the mic, you can't even see these pictures. But the next picture is David got this into Jerusalem, and he just put a tent around the ark. That's all, it's, that's all he did. He wasn't up on the hill. He didn't have the 38 days of interaction with God. But he had the presence of God with him. He had the mercy seat, which is known as the Ark of the Covenant. And we'll talk about that mercy seat in just a second. God, time is flying. I don't know how I'm ever going to get past all this. But um, he was so overjoyed being in the presence of God that when he came into the uh, town with it, his wife was embarrassed. His wife said, you are jumping around like a fool. What are you doing dancing like some weirdo? You are the king of these people. You need to act kingly. And he said, nope, nope. I'm in the presence of God. And I can't control myself being in the presence of God. So he basically built a tent, just a little bitty tent around this thing. And he wanted to be next to it all the time. That's what he wanted. Well, God really loved the heart of David. Loved him so much that I'm going to read my big verse here, which is Acts 15, 16 and 17. And we're, we're going to go back through this again, too, in the next couple of weeks. But we're going to know a little more of why it says what it says. So God has the ability to get a coin out of a fish's mouth. He has the ability... Uh, look at that picture right there. Whew. Where's my axe? Somebody stole the axe. Uh, he has the ability to, to cross the Red Sea. Uh, he has the ability to, you know, do everything. You know, he has the ability to do all these things. But look what he writes in, uh, and I'll, we'll expand on this later, but right now I just want to read the verse, Acts 15, 16, and 17. Okay, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. After this, I will return, and I will rebuild the tent of David. Notice this says the tent of David. I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins. I will restore it that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes the things known from of old. So this is basically being quoted from Amos. Yeah. Oh, you no, uh, well, yeah, I was going to say something, but I think you're going to 
You can go ahead. I think you're going to get there. No, go ahead. Okay. I think you're going to so get there. This no. is actually oh. quoted from Amos 9:11. But here's the thing. <laughs> I'm going to I've got a little picture of the ark right here, but when you look at the tent of meeting, it was still there. The tent of meeting was still there, but there was no ark in it. So all they were doing was ceremonial uh, worship. God was not with them. They were obeying the laws. They were doing everything with the laws. But the presence of God was with David in the tent on the other hill. And so everything they were doing was really not, not for the presence of God or with the presence of God. Because he's showing us there, there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. The law leads to death. The knowledge of the tree of good and evil lead to death. Knowledge of good and evil leads to death. Let us go boast about all the knowledge we have. Who cares? I'm after the life. I mean, think how much knowledge you can have if you live forever. You know what I mean? You're pretty, pretty knowledgeable. But then think about how knowledgeable you can be if you live forever in the presence of God. So in other words, he didn't want, he's building a tent, a three-sided tent. Mm -hmm. And it's not going back in the temple. Right. Because the only body that can go in the temple are the high priests. Come on. Or the Come high priest. Nobody can go in that temple but high priests. That's exactly right. Therefore, they can't. Openly be in the openly presence, of God. presence of God. That's the reason why a tent. I'm seeing it as a three sided. It's a three sided tent, and and you don't know how many philosophies are out there that say, "Listen, I'll show you how to do this," or "Come confess your sins to me," or "Oh no, you can't see those secret rooms." Get thee behind me, Satan! Mm -hmm. All that stuff is from the pit of hell. God said, "I will build, rebuild the tent of David." He didn't say. Solomon's temple. If you look at Solomon's temple, Solomon was the son of David. And now David got the provisions for Solomon, actually wanted to build the house of God, but God said, nope. Think about that. If God would have said, go ahead, Acts 15, 16, and 17 wouldn't have been written. He said, I will rebuild the tent of David. So if he would have built the temple, it would have looked like this. In all of its glory and grandeur, and, and the labor is huge. And this thing now, if you compare it to a football field, it's the size of a football field, but that's nothing in comparison to Herod's. But Solomon's temple was actually endorsed by God. Build, build this and build it this way. But when I looked at this, I thought, man, there's some mistake because this temple back over here, the other Solomon's temple, it's, it, it's got to be bigger than that. But if you look, the structure is the same. And these are renditions. I get it. It's, you know, not to scale. But <laughs> these are renditions. But look at how huge. And, you know, Miranda brought up, uh, I said, hey, what's the big distinction in classroom? And she said the walls that you got to go through just to get to the inner course. Or first you said the women's court. Shout out to all the women out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She said the women's court. And I told her she's lucky they had a court. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I did not say, Lord, forgive me. Get the holy water. Get the holy water. But that was the first thing that stood out to me that, what do you mean a woman's court? Are you kidding me? 
And and then the walls to get in there. Somebody said the walls. I'm not sure who it was. You had said the walls to get in there. Uh, but these are things that, that what? How are you supposed to get in the presence of God? It's bad, you know. So that curtain that uh, kept the Holy of Holies separated from the inner temple. There's a temple and then the Holy of Holies. Um, was Somebody said three inches thick. I've heard scholars say it's six inches thick. And it's about... 18 feet high. So that's a, I mean, I don't know what you'd even, you know, curtains that are really, really high quality curtains are pretty heavy. But they're what, 16th thick, you know? They're like nothing. But you get one that's six inches thick, that's a wall. Can you imagine the process of getting past that wall to God? And then if you were not supposed to be there, which the only reason they would be there is ceremonial worship, David's tent, you came because you wanted to be in the presence of God. And it was a it was a totally different deal. And I think you can see that now. So, golly, we are running short. Matt, we may have to do a whole nother one this next week. Just blame it on Ed. Yeah. Ed talking <laughs> Sorry, so much. Yeah. He talked too much. Yeah, golly, Ed. Come on. Way to go. I but, think that um Herod's Temple too, I think sometimes a lot of churches do that where where it's they don't let anyone, everyone in, you know. And I think David's tent is a good symbol of what it actually is. Yes. And just think of what happened if David wouldn't have listened to God and just right. went ahead and mm-hmm. built the temple. Or if he mm-hmm. wouldn't have done the research, it wouldn't have been that important to him to figure out how to get it back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he was the king. He could have done better than that, but that's what he wanted to do. And that's all by design. Oh, so we got 20 seconds left. There's no way I'm going to get to talk about the Temple of David and the rebuilding. I can just tell you this. We're going to come back this next week, and we'll do 14. It has nothing to do with scaffolding, cranes. has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with his love for us. But that's it. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next Tuesday. You have a good week. From Burleson to Venus and Grandview to Godley, this is the voice of Johnson County, Joko Community Radio.